1: Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Right here, right now, with me is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis.
0: Thanks for having me, Dean.
1: Have you ever thought about the shortest verse in the Bible? We're going to talk about that today. And probably everybody listening knows what that verse is. And and do you think running has evolved along with technology? You know, last week we talked about technology. Today, we're going to talk about how running and technology are similar and different mm-hmm. in that uh, in that realm. So it should be fun. And as always, well, as we as we started just a couple of weeks ago, we have this new segment at the end where we're going to ask a trivia question. So if you're listening to this, you need to stay tuned to the end. We will ask a trivia question, and you're going to get a prize. What are, what are they going to get? If they, uh, well, uh, this
0: week they're going to get the sticker packs. All this right. has the decals. For every distance, which I know everybody's going to jump into this, you're going to do the 5K, you're going to do the 10K, and I'm showing these on YouTube if you're not watching. You're going to do the half marathon, you're going to do the marathon, and you may be thinking, what's after the marathon? The ultra marathon. Ultra. So uh, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the um, what do you call that? That's the, the progression of runner. The yeah. progression of a runner. That's right. Uh, to do all those. We have a triathlon sticker yeah. we throw doing there too. Yeah, so we can throw that triathlon. We need to bring it? people over to the dark side. But yeah, yeah. you're going to get the sticker pack this week if you answer the question first. All you right. have to be a Run Club member, and you have to be the first one to email Dean at Dean at RunForGod.com with the answer to this week's trivia question. But last week's trivia question,
1: Yeah. that one threw me for a loop. Yeah, it was a good one. What was the origin of the name Garmin? And so the origin of the name is that it is a combination of the last names of the guys who actually developed the company. The uh, the, the guy the guys' names are Gary Burrell and Min Kayo. So would be the first names. So it's their first names, Gary and Min. So Garmin um, is is where Garmin came from. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, the the company Garmin actually started as a company called ProNav in 1989. Um, and that may surprise people. 1989 mm-hmm. is a long time ago. It was yeah. way before we had these watches that we were on uh-huh. our wrist now. Um, and it started in Kansas, right in the center of the, the country. Interestingly, it is now headquartered in Switzerland. Mm. So uh, I wonder yeah. how that happened. I don't know, but um, I'm sure there's a story. Yeah. just don't know what it is. <laughs> so we talked about information last week and this week. And we talked a little bit about technology last week, but we're going to talk more about technology this week. And they're kind of linked together, especially with, the you know, we just talked about Garmin, with watches and the things that we can do. But we can still do things old school, can't we?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when I first started running, which hasn't been that long, I didn't start running as a young man. I was in my 30s, yeah. late 20s, early 30s. But that's back when you you went out for a run, then you got in your car and you drove to see how many miles you ran.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm re- uh, still on my street where I live today. You can still it's very faded, but you can see the lines on the road to where, you know, I had a, a three-mile out-and-back route, I had a six-mile out-and-back route, and you can still see the lines on the road <laughs> even today, but, you know, that's just kind of a faded memory of what it used to be yeah. before, before technology.
1: Yeah, I remember um, I remember measuring courses with, with actually wheels that had the foot markers on it and doing like long courses mm-hmm. that way. And that uh, that was interesting. Well,
0: that's still how courses we st- are certified. Yeah, they're today. still
1: certified that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I also think about this workout that we do. We do this workout once or twice a year. Not very often, but we do it occasionally. And it's a workout that's based on your pulse. And so the, here's the way the workout works. It might be, sometimes it's varying distances. Sometimes it might be all like half mile repeats or something like that. What we'll do is we'll have a group of athletes, and the way that it works is you run a rep, and you go out hard, and you come back, and you measure your pulse rate Mm -hmm. when you get back. And when your pulse rate – we measure your pulse rate every 15 seconds or so. And when your pulse rate gets back down to 120, then you go again.
0: Right.
1: And so um, that's kind of old school. I mean, Mm -hmm. pulse rate is something you just –
0: yeah. Everybody's just looking at their watch now. Yeah, you just their pulse. well,
1: yeah. Now you can look at your watch, but we still do it old school. We have them, we have yeah. them feel for their pulse and measure their pulse in their neck. Um, which, by the way, when you when your pulse is at 180, 200 beats a minute, it's real easy to find it. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I one time had my pulse rate in one of these workouts when I was back in back in my high school days at 240 beats per minute. Now, they tell you that in order to get your maximum rate, you take 200 and, uh, 230, two two, 200, 220 or 230 you minus two your age. minus your age. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I don't know how that works out when when it's uh, 240. But
0: Yeah, 240. Uh, I, I just wonder if your math was wrong back then because, that, man, that is a fast heart rate. It was hard
1: to count that fast. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was hard to count that fast. Uh,
1: and I still think there's a lot of value to running by feel. Right? Sure. Um, and I talk to our athletes about that all the time, that there's a lot of value in that, because we, we talked about last week about data and how it can get in the way, and it can get in the way of really, instead of instead of me f- trying to figure out how I feel, and, of course, the longer the race, the more important feel becomes. In a marathon, um, it would probably be a good idea sometimes just to put your watch away and run by how you feel. Sure. Um, but well, running?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, feel can lie. Feel can lie. Feel can lie in a good way and it can lie in a bad way. Yeah. You know, there's times where um, the, using a heart rate monitor is helpful because a lot of times you don't feel that good and that will affect your workout negatively because you just don't feel. But if you look at your heart rate, you're like, well, your body's lying to you. You're not actually going that hard, so pick it up. But let's take a race scenario and you 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 feel better than what your heart rate might be telling you. And it's because in a race scenario, you've got dopamine, you've got the crowd, you've got the competition. And using your watch could actually hurt you if you're going by, if you're saying, okay, my max heart rate is 180. I'm not going over 180 for this race. Well, the body's a, a very complex thing. And in yeah. those scenarios, you, you need to put the watch away. We Very rarely do we... Well, we don't ever tell athletes to run by their watch, especially in a race. Yeah. Um, so it can, the body's a, a very complex thing, and that technology can be a good thing, and it can be a bad thing, depending on what you're using it for.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you know, the more that you run by pace, the easier it is to understand how feeling and pace go together, and how you, I've always said this about heart rate training, that Heart rate training to me is a back end measurement, not sure. a front end measurement. I never use I never use heart rate to determine how fast I'm gonna run. But I will use heart rate to determine how well a workout went.
0: Right. And we were just we were talking last week about, you know, Lane wakes up every morning and he looks at three metrics on his training peaks and one of those is fatigue rate. And we always you we never use that to make workouts. We kinda do it very old school and we ask Lane a question. How do you feel? <laughs> but it's amazing the technology will usually always align with what he said. So it yeah. yeah, you're it's it's a good point that it's good to use that to kind of back up what we're doing, but yeah. very rarely do we use it to forecast. Yeah, and to make decisions. Because that forward. needs to be you need to ask the athlete, how do you feel?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sure. And I know there are days where I just I just feel like going out and running however I feel. And I'll turn my watch off and I'll just run. And I think some of those days, and for some people that's heresy, right? something it do not
0: count if you don't have it on your <laughs> garment. Yeah,
1: that's the way a lot of I'm people I'm one look. of those people. Yeah, I, yeah.
0: It didn't happen if it's not on your garment. If you know, We talked about bikers last week and how triathletes and bikers, cyclists are so into the stats and everything. I think there's some t-shirts out there. It says, if you find me on the side of the road and my bike is trashed, please pause my garment before you administer first aid. And, uh, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not big on that. And, And here's my problem is the too much external stimulus for me causes me trouble. Uh, one was, we just talked about last week. We talked about this run where we really hammered out this last mile and, uh, I couldn't help myself. I the, I was running with these kids and these kids took off and I can't, I tried to lay and I did lay back for a little while and then it was like ah I got to go for it. That competition thing inside of me just and I know for a lot, for some people it's like I don't have that thing.
0: And that's Yeah, I don't and, but Lane you and Lane are wired the same. You know, we've gotten to the point now where Lane in cross country season he has a hard run workout on Tuesdays. And then Tuesday evening, he has it's a it's a group ride where he's got some you know Cat One and pro riders that ride with him on the bicycles Tuesday night. And if he's had an incredibly tough workout on Tuesday, this past Tuesday was an example um, where I just said, "You're riding on the trainer tonight." And he's like, "But I'll go easy." I'm like, "No, you don't know (laughs) you don't know how." He'll say all day long, "I'm going to sit in the back of the pack and I'm not going to race." I'm just going to get recovered, but every once in a while, Holly and I will get in the truck, because I'll know when they're coming down the last three miles, and every time I pull out there, and I see Lane off the front, just hammering those older guys, I'm like, I thought this was a recovery. He said, I just can't help it. I just can't help it. So now he gets penalized if he's had a really hard run workout that day. He has to sit on the (laughs) trainer at home and and spin his legs easy. So yeah, y'all are y'all are wired a lot the same
1: yeah and you know it it works that way with a watch for me so if i'm running along and my watch says well i'm averaging you know whatever the pace is and i'm like you know if i was just a few seconds faster that would be under you know x number and it would make me feel better but you say that
0: but lane is that we've seen this time and time and time again lane's coming in at the end of a long run and you'll see him out there in the field doing circles and it's because if he's supposed to be doing 13 miles, and let's say he's at 13.89, he's not stopping at 13.89. He's gonna run in circles till he hits 14. And you're the opposite.
1: Yeah, I don't. He'll stop problem. it
0: at 13.89, yeah. and that I, I'm more in line with Lane there. I would have yeah. to hit that even number. Yeah, so no, it's the It's funny it. how we're all different
1: like it that. It is. It is. It's fun. It's fun. Hey, the <laughs> we have a lot of things that are, <clears throat> excuse me, run club exclusives, right? <laughs> So one of those things is our Facebook page. If you're not a part of Run Club and you've never been on the Run Club Facebook page, you are missing out.
0: It's we, not just any Facebook page.
1: It is not. It it's is uh, not. We talked last week about some of the, the the social dilemma, I think is the name of the, right. the documentary, and about how, how social media can be negative. Well, mm-hmm. let me tell you something. Social media can be really positive, too. Right. And that Facebook page is a great positive in a lot of people's lives.
0: Yeah, it is in mine. I mean, I get so much encouragement from from seeing people and and seeing people's stories. That's one thing that we see on there is is you get to know these people almost like they're great friends that you've never met. And uh, to see, I mean, I think of of people like George. You know, yeah. George Williams on there, at his age, I think, George is way on up in age. I don't know the exact number, 79 maybe. Um, Still out there almost every day running. And he's on there telling his stories. And he's inspiring people while people are encouraging him. And it's just uh, there's no – we're not going to allow politics in there. We will nip that in the bud if that comes in. Um, It's purely about running and sharing Christ through this sport. And it's, it's fun. I was on there this morning yeah looking around and seeing some of the things that people are doing um Angie Hawkins and her husband patrick yeah you know i I'm learning more and more of their story about you know Patrick's background and how they're doing a they're doing a half marathon coming up next month and it's thirteen miles and it's because it's thirteen miles of him thirteen years since since he became clean uh, and got off dry and just an amazing story that I knew nothing about and I wouldn't have known about it had it not been for that forum and, and yeah. getting to know them. And so, yeah, it's a, that is worth the 27 cents a day by itself.
1: It is. It absolutely is. Well, as always, we are sponsored by J Radio. We have, we have at least one. I looked this morning. We only have one playlist up there at the point that we're making this uh, podcast. Um, but I know we've got some others in the pipeline. And eventually what we're going to have is we're going to have a Run for God channel. Yeah. So that's going to be pretty cool when we get there, um, and it's coming soon. J Radio, the world's greatest digital music platform. If your teen is into rock and metal music that makes your ears bleed and your grandmother clutch your pearls, we can help. If your spouse yearns for music from the old days and wants to relive the music of their glory years, we can handle that. If you need a break from the day to spend time with God and recognize His goodness, we'd love to be a part of that. Whether it's rock and metal, classic songs from decades past, or heartfelt worship music, J Radio has you covered. Sign up for an account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store to start listening for free today as always send all questions to dean at runforgod.com whether that's just feedback and letting us know how we're doing or if you have a question uh, that you just want to know something and uh, particularly running related uh, we will be glad to help if you have a question so do that um, don't forget that we would love to hear your story. We're about to share somebody's story. Now we have shared this some of this lady's stories before
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, she's re- really good at that. Uh, but we'd love to hear your story. We'd love to hear how God has made a difference in your life and through your running and uh, you can submit those stories to uh, runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com. Uh, we would love to hear it and if you are a run club member, your story. Is going to go straight to the head of the line, and we will put you um, into this podcast and Pretty read. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's hear those stories. Today, our story is about the shortest verse in the Bible, which, as most of you probably know, is uh, a story that just says it's two words: Jesus wept, um, and it is the shortest verse. But as we're going to discover here, it is so much more. And this comes to us from one of our favorites, Irene Tang, from uh, Pleasanton. Well, she was from Pleasanton, California. Now she's from Carmel, Indiana. Hmm. Uh, So it's called Jesus Wept. It's not just the shortest verse. Jesus wept, John 1135, NIV. As a former elementary school teacher... In a Christian school, I admit, I used to joke about that notable verse in the Bible. It is said to be famous for being the shortest verse. Students would remind me of this fact when it was time for those long scripture memorization quizzes. One year, I thought about assigning that verse on April 1st. (laughs) I've never been good at memorizing. When I had to give presentations in school or at work, I literally wrote out what I wanted to say verbatim for fear that if I forgot something, I'd veer treacherously off track. When I was a sophomore in high school and introduced to a dynamic, loving church youth group, um, it was there that I first opened the Bible. I had no clue how to go about reading the Bible, much less how to use one for its intended purpose of knowing God better. I'm not sure when exactly I got it in my head that I needed to memorize scripture. It seemed like everywhere, everyone at the church could quote verses and even use them in meaningful, encouraging ways. Fast forward 35 years. <laughs> I'm still bad at memorizing things of significant length. But with regards to the truly important stuff, God has used running as the most effective memorization tool. After all, one simply cannot tote around notes on a big or a big heavy Bible whilst running. So, He went one step better and gave me His Holy Spirit to remind me, at the most critical, opportune moments, the key points from His Word. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. That's from John 14:26. Last week's hill training run is a good example. As soon as I hit the first big hill, I heard footsteps behind me. Those footsteps quickly materialized into several young men in blue fire department shirts and shorts holding a giant yellow walkie-talkies. It crossed my mind for a split second to try to keep up their pace. (laughs) Then I heard laughter. No, it wasn't coming from those strapping young firemen. It was coming from my common sense. As they blew past me on their own training run, I was humbled as I pictured them in full gear in oxygen tanks running into a burning forest or building, risking their own lives to potentially save one. With this image in my head, I prayed for their safety. Verses about God's hand of protection came to mind. The rest of that day's hill run was filled with more prayers as God kept bringing people and situations to mind. Verses about continual, persistent prayer, persevering through trials, putting on the full armor of God, courage over fear, peace, strength, and <clears throat> healing accompanied with each step and breath. I couldn't stop at one point it felt like my heart would burst from being reminded of so many people that needed prayer it felt like each person was not only on my mind but now flooding my heart there are times i cry out god how do you handle all of this i can't even take the few you've placed on my heart today yet you know and hear the cries of seven billion of us at once humbling for sure funny thing about being humbled It's actually a good place to be, since this is how God can best reach us. Perhaps this is why when I'm running, I can hear God so clearly. Running has humbled me more often and more consistently than anything else. Check in on me at mile 20 of any marathon, and you'll see. I used to think the definition of being humble was self-degradation. I'll never be as good as so-and-so. I'm not worthy of that promotion. Why would anyone like me? Years ago, I heard or read, can't remember where, the definition of humble as knowing who you are in relation to God. I've also heard it put as seeing yourself as God sees you. On that hill run, one verse kept coming to mind, which I don't usually share because I used to think it would be, wouldn't be would be very humble of me to do so. It was from John, James 5.16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I realize I have hesitated to share this verse for fear of coming across as arrogant or boastful. It's because of one word in that verse, righteous, I even version surfed to see if there was a more palatable word, but most still say righteous. Knowing that I was wrong about the word humble, I had to look up the word righteous and debunk my previous mindset of the association with that term self-righteousness. Turns out that humble and righteous kind of go hand in hand as I found these versions of the same verse. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. That's the message version. When a believing person prays, great things happen. That's the NCV version. Okay. Okay. Who among us wouldn't want their prayers to be powerful and produce great things? This year, God used my emotions and tears to bring relevance to the verse I used to skim over and even joked about. Jesus wept. It comes from the passage of Scripture detailing the death of Lazarus, brother of Mary and Martha. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to know that this is the famous raising of Lazarus from the tomb account. It's even become a household football term used when a team or player miraculously pulls out a win or resurrects a career against all circumstances and odds. But I digress. What I never paid attention to before was the moment when Jesus actually wept. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along and with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him he asked come and see lord they replied jesus wept then the jews said see how he loved him that's john 11:13 excuse me john 11:33 through 36 but why then after all <clears throat> excuse me but why then after all lazarus had already been dead 4 days when jesus finally arrived at mary and martha's home he had already received the news before then. Plus, being son of God and all, he already knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the tomb and there would be a happy ending. So why did he cry when he did? Or at all? I'm no Bible scholar and still feel uncomfortable using the words humble and righteous. But I think Jesus wept at the, those precise moments f- f- for me to know how much I am loved. He wants me to know that he not only sees my fears but also feels them himself. Why is this important? I believe it is crucial in my faith that he can and will answer my prayers and that he will do some, he will do so in ways that undeniably prove he was there when I was crying. It brings me to tears when I think about the lengths he goes to so that I know the depths of his love.
0: Hmm. Man, that's a great. Man. Irene is a great storyteller.
1: She is. She is. Uh, and, and listen, I apologize for having a hard time reading that. Um, my, my eyes are, are, you know, I'm old, and my eyes are incredibly. We've established weak right that now. fact before. We have, and um, I'm acknowledging it once again.
0: Do you need bifocals? You've I, got glasses laying right there. Yeah,
1: I don't. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah. So anyway. Uh, so. so- so when reading that story, I always, you know, I've said this before. I always try to put my walk with Jesus, I always try to compare it to my walk with my boys. You know, yeah. I've always said it's it's a father-son or a father-child relationship. And I think about how many times I've done this with my boys. You know, they they get let down or they get disappointed about something or they get hurt. And I know is their dad that in the span of their lifetime, what they're going through is nothing. It's nothing. But it still breaks our heart. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what <laughs> Jesus was going through right then. I, I, I don't claim to get inside the head of Jesus, but as a dad, I feel like I know exactly what he was going through because just like I know the outcome for my two boys when they're going through something, I know that next week... This isn't even going to be a thought anymore. But it still almost brings you to tears at times because you, you hurt because they're hurting. Yeah. And Jesus came to this earth to humanize God. Yeah. And so for Jesus not to weep at that moment would would cause me to pause. But for a lot of us, I think we pause because of that. and But I think we have to put ourselves in that situation that Jesus was fully... Human. yeah he was fully God but he was fully human and the human thing to do right there is to be emotional because you, you hurt for those people it's it's the empathy and Jesus had empathy yeah and that's that's what made him so great is that he was both fully human and fully God so I I, I guess I can kind of relate to it when you really stop and think about it but on the surface, Irene's right, you think, why why did he cry? Why did he cry at all? Why did he cry when he did? Because he knew that moments later he was going to be raising Lazarus from the dead. It was it doesn't it didn't have anything to do with Lazarus. Yeah. I don't think it had to no. do with Mary and Martha. Yep. And seeing the pain that they
1: were going through. Yeah, you know, this is an area of my life where God has worked on me because I'm a common sense kind of guy. I'm not a I've never been an emotional guy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a passionate guy, but that's different than emotion. Right. And so I I know, like like I would think if I was in Jesus' shoes and I knew the outcome was going to be good, I would, in my past life, I would have thought, well, I know this all turns out good, so let's just get over it and let's move on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really would have. And, and and to this day, God has worked on me so hard that, that I would be, I'd, I'd do the same thing he did. Right. It would hurt me to see somebody else hurting. Sure. Um, and it's amazing how God can do that, can change our heart like he does. The scripture passage, number one, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you, which is in John fourteen twenty six. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, right? Sure. <laughs> for both comfort and for conviction, because he, it, it, it works both ways. Right. So... And Lord knows I need reminders. There goes <laughs> me, that There goes that age thing again. Me
0: too. <laughs> me too.
1: Uh, <clears throat> the second passage, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I agree with Irene on this point. I find it hard to think of myself as righteous.
0: You, on the surface, there again, on the surface, I, I do too. But I think you have to really dig into the meaning of the words. You do. Um, you know, saying let me let me say let me say one thing two different ways. There's a difference between saying I'm always right because I'm a Christian. There's a difference in saying that and saying I choose to follow Christ because His Word is always right and true. Yeah. Both of those things are the same, but it's it's the attitude by which you say them. Hmm. Um, self-righteous is bad self-righteousness is very bad uh, and, and righteousness just means right if you look it up in the dictionary righteousness righteous means right and so it comes down to the heart of the person Matthew 5 I look this up is the Beatitudes and it says blessed are the meek the yeah. humble yeah. and that is I choose to follow Christ Matthew 23 on the flip side of that this is where Jesus is talking to the scribes and Pharisees and he says uh woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites what were the religious people at the time I'm always right they were saying that first line yeah and blessed are the meek are the people who are saying I choose to follow Christ because his word is always right so Yeah, Irene's right. If we need to understand the terminology here, because yeah, when you first read that, we we to be humble is to not consider ourselves righteous, but it's it's not our righteousness. It's not that we are right. It's the word of God is right, and that's where we're putting our faith. And so you just got to have your your perspective right, um, because. You can say, you can make that statement two different ways, and it's you're either going to be a scribe and a Pharisee, or you're going to be meek. Yep. And Jesus talks to those two camps very differently.
1: Yes, he does. Yes, he does. The third passage. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. That's John 11, 33 through 36. Um, Just imagine, think about the picture of Jesus crying for you. Uh, That is a really, really powerful picture. And I think he does that. I think he does that when we make bad choices. I think he sees that. He knows that that bad choice is going to lead down a bad path and that's troubling to him.
0: Yeah. I think I think John 11 is is I, I brought my Bible here. You can see all the highlighted in John 11 <laughs> here. And it's because it's one of my favorite chapters and and I I want to kind of go through John 11 since since this chapter was brought up and and just kind of make the case that we are Martha. We are Martha. Uh and in the in the period of one chapter, um, Mary came to God and basically said, "My brother's sick." Now this is the Mary. This is not Mary, mother of Jesus. This is the Mary that washed Jesus's feet with mm-hmm. her hair, mm-hmm. you know, in previous chapters. So she she came to Jesus with full faith that she could make her brother Lazarus better. So Jesus said, "Okay." I'll come. Well, for whatever reason, his own reasons, Jesus waited two days. And so when Jesus finally got there, or, or when Jesus was talking to the people he was with at the time, he said he was going to see Lazarus who sleeps, but I go to wake him up. And and they kind of ridiculed him by saying, well, if he's sleeping, he'll just wake up, stay here. And, and Jesus was very clear in, in verse 14. He said, Lazarus is dead. So he told people, Lazarus is dead. A lot of times we hear, Jesus said that he was sleeping, which he did, but he was very clear that Lazarus is dead. So when he got to Mary and Martha, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And when he walked up to Martha, what did she say to him? She said, if you would have gotten here earlier, Mm -hmm. Lazarus would not be dead. So she went from full of faith a few days before. She went to get Jesus. She sent for Jesus because... She had faith that Jesus could perform this miracle and make him better. Fast forward a few days, and she had lost faith. Yeah. So Jesus asked her at that time, um, this this is where chapter or verse 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And she, he asked Martha, do you believe that? She said, Yes, I believe that you are Lord and the Christ. So she went from not believing or from believing to not believing to believing. And then yeah. they start walking toward the tomb and he said, Roll the rock away. What did she say? Lord, you don't want to do that. He's been dead for four days, it's gonna stink.
1: <laughs> so she's back and forth. So
0: she's yeah. back to unbelief. Yeah. And I the reason I love that is because that is me. <laughs> In the period of a week, I can go from, God, I believe everything you say to, oh, I don't know if God can handle this. Maybe I need to help God out here to him knocking me upside the head and me said, okay, yeah. And I think that is, as humans, that's our struggle. As yeah. children of God, that is our struggle. And we need to, re- I mean, we need to read the Gospels once a month anyway, but s- s- Certain stories in the Bible are there for a reason, and it's because it's the story's not about Mary and Martha. The story's about Mitchell and Dean. That's right. And and how we how we do every day. So I, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent there, but that is that's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, is the belief to the unbelief to the belief to the unbelief, and it's God telling us that you're not alone here. This has been going on ever since I was walking the earth. Yeah. And um, you just need yeah. to get better about
1: it. Yeah, that's 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 great. She has some questions here. What what methods, strategies, or teaching tips help you learn best? If you find memorizing scripture challenging, take a moment to write down a few ways you can incorporate best learning practices with verses. I'll, I'll tell you, um, there's one thing about me that gets better every single year. Every year, my forgetter gets way better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's the one thing that I, I've never been really good at memorization um, and it just keeps getting worse and so memorization is hard for me I like to understand underlying principles and ideas mm-hmm. and so if I'm going to quote scripture it's going to be in a general way typically right. right? I know what it says I know what it means but I have a hard time memorizing exactly the way it's worded um, which I think is still effective Um
0: yeah, I've never been one to be able to, to really quote Scripture. I mean, I can to an extent, but I, I think about a, a guy that we both know, a guy named Josh Suddeth. Um, Josh is a guy, he's from our community. I think he actually lives out in Colorado now. But Josh has fully memorized, I think, 14 books of the Bible, not chapters. Were, were you at Run at the Mill... In yeah. the early years, yeah. Okay.
1: Or he, yeah.
0: Um, Josh not only can memorize and recite books of the Bible, but he takes on the persona. We he, we invited him to to run at the meal one year, and he recited First Corinthians, not First Corinthians chapter so and so. He recited First Corinthians, but he did it so. This is this is a gift that he has. hmm But he did it so in a way that he. He became Paul, and he wasn't just reciting he was it was almost theatrical, yeah. uh, not in a bad way, but when Paul wept, Josh was physically weeping, and it was amazing to watch it and and so I asked him how how do you do that?" And the way Josh memorizes scripture or he memorizes books, but the way we can memorize scripture just one way is he writes it out. Yeah. when he goes to memorize a book of the Bible I think he said he'll re- completely write it out 10 or 11 times but he'll start with chapter 1 and he'll write it out and this takes weeks to do this and then he'll he'll make sure that he can recite chapter 1 and then he'll go to chapter 1 and 2 he don't go to chapter 2 he goes to chapter 1 and 2 and then chapter 1, 2 and 3 chapter 1 through 4 and so on and um yeah, I think he's on YouTube. If if anybody wants to pull him up, it's 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 impressive.
1: That um, is impressive. And
0: how it's changed his life. I mean, he's he's an incredible man of God. Um, but it's it's fun to, cause he'll do it in a particular version. You know, the NIV or New King James or whatever. And it's fun to sit there and read it as he's reciting it. And it's just a it's amazing to. I wish I can't even remember somebody's name the yeah. next day after I meet him. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in your camp, but yeah, um, yeah, it's, he's a.
1: That's just one more way that somebody's using their gift. True. To glorify God. I mean, yeah. that is a, that is a special gift because I'm I'm pretty sure no matter how hard I worked, um, it would be hard for me to memorize one book, one chapter, probably. Um, anyway, it's it's that's that's really cool. Question two: Do you feel your prayers are powerful and effective? <laughs> it's a loaded question, there, isn't it?
0: It is, and if we're being honest, not always in the moment. But you know, I've I've mentioned before that hindsight's 2020. Mm. You can always look back and say, mm. absolutely. But many times in the moment, um, I think for what you know, I I've got to take control of this situation. You know, you and I both are doers. Um, I'm a planner and a doer, but mostly a doer. I just, I want to get things done. You know, I, I'm, I'm the finisher at my house. You know, my kids, they finish putting up your clothes, finish putting up your dishes, finish, (laughs) you know, I'm all about action and doing. And, um, so, so many times I, I, I let that get ahead of my prayer life and, uh, but always looking behind, I can see where God worked more through prayer than through action. Yeah. And the way I'm wired, that's hard. Yeah. Uh, We talked, I think, a few weeks ago in one of these discussions where somebody made the quote, "I've got so much to do today that I need to put more prayer at the beginning of my day." And that is, man, that is so true. Yeah. Um, That that everything hinges on prayer in our relationship with God, and so many times that's the first thing we neglect.
1: I remember being in Sunday school class one time, and I was teaching Sunday school, and I don't remember what that's what it was that was brought up, but it was a particular item that was brought up, and it was clear that the people in our class were like hopeful, like we hope that we can pray for this person and it will change. And there was a guy in the class who, it turned out, I found out later, was a very he's written books and he's a really he's a biblical scholar. Um, but this guy stops us in the middle of this and he says, you know, the Bible says if we get together and we believe it and we pray for it, it will happen. Mm -hmm. You you act like you're just asking for something when the Bible is clear on Mm -hmm. this. And I I mean, it really took us all back. It was that we were like, wow, that's pretty powerful. And so we prayed that prayer, and I don't even remember what it was. Again, I just remember this that, that idea that you need to take prayer more seriously.
0: Well, you know, last week, and I, I pulled these verses back up, but th- these are verses that I keep on my bathroom mirror, James 1-6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Yeah. So when somebody says, I, I hope that we can pray, that, there's doubt. When, yeah. when you use the word hope, there's doubt in there. Yeah. Uh, it says you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Uh, James 1, 6. Yeah, I mean, the Bible's clear. We we must pray with anticipation.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, we must be getting things in order. We, we must be like the, the blind man who Jesus approached and he, he threw his cloak off to the side. Mm-hmm. Knowing that he would be able to find that cloak because he would be able to see in a few minutes yeah. um, as he approached Jesus. So many times we don't approach Jesus like that. We'll hold onto that cloak and we'll hold onto our cane because what if Jesus doesn't give me my sight back? Yeah. I need this. Mm-hmm. And God's word is clear. We need to throw that stuff aside and expect that what we're now. You have to be. You have to be praying in God's will. Yeah. Um. He. This is tough to explain right here, and we're not going to get into that here. But, um,
1: but yeah, you're right. You, it depends on how you pray as right. to what God's going to grant you. Exactly. Uh, yeah, as long as you're in his will. Question three, when was the last time you cried? Do you believe Jesus was there crying with you? How does that belief impact your faith in your relationship with God? I mentioned last week um, I struggled with, with the, the loss of my mother a little bit recently Um, but it's amazing how how quickly um, when I get down to that low spot how quickly God reminds me of exactly what I talked about last week about how he gave me a gift with Mm -hmm. her in the last week of her life and how special that was and that comes to mind so fast um, because I feel like Jesus he not only wants to weep with me But he wants to celebrate the the good things as well. Mm -hmm. And so those things come to mind so fast. Um, And, of course, those things do a a great service in in helping us and strengthen our relationship with him. When when you realize that God has implanted this thought in your mind simply to edify you and make you feel better, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing when you feel that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you've got on hear how do you explain 2020? <laughs> There'll be many, many books written about the year of 2020, but I, I think it's why Run for God is so relevant. I believe the intense struggles bring forth incredible breakthroughs. Yeah. Um, you know, you you had a post last week where you, you were talking about a breakthrough in your running because you forced yourself to change your diet. Mm. And it wasn't easy, but now you see the results. And the the important part was it wasn't easy. Yeah. You know, you had a life changing experience because I shouldn't say life change. You had a running change and it was all due to because some some pain that you went through. Um you know I believe that God allows struggles in the same way. He he knows they hurt. But just like in our fitness, there's always something better on the other side of struggles. Um, yeah. You know, we ju- we just talked about this with, with Jesus and Lazarus. Yeah. Um, there was pain in there. Jesus wept. I mean, there was pain in that moment. But through that, on the other side, there's always something great. And God, that's why we always have to, I just said it a while ago, you have to look back. Yeah. You have to look back on the things that you've been through. And know that what you're going through now, while it's a big deal right now, God will get you through it. And God will make you stronger as a result of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard in the moment, but it's interesting. You, met, you brought up training and running. When we run, we purposefully put ourselves through tough situations mm-hmm. to make ourselves better. Um, we don't like to do that spiritually. We don't like to go through tough personal situations to make ourselves stronger. But those tough personal situations that we go through will make us stronger the same way.
0: Think about if we looked at it that way. Yeah. I mean the best athletes out yep. there. Uh, I know Lane looks at things this way a lot is when you when you when you talk to him about a hard hard workout, he doesn't he very rarely talks about how hard it is. He talks about how much better he's gonna be as a result of yep. it. And that's a that's a dynamic in thinking that is hard to come by in the fitness world. Yeah. What if we could take that same way of thinking? Paul did. Yeah, he did. I mean, I rejoice in my affliction. How many of us say that? Hmm. How, um, um, uh, whatever the affliction is, how many of us have that attitude? Yeah. But God calls us to have that attitude.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, we, we see all these um, examples of this principle that God will allow us to go through tough times to make us stronger in the long run. We know that. We read that. We're kind of like Martha. There again, we're kind of like Martha. Yes, I believe that. When, right now, I don't believe that, Lord. Okay, I'm through it, so yes, I believe it again. <laughs> uh, well, I'm back in it, so no, I don't believe it anymore. We, if somebody could figure out how to make us not do that, man, that would be so great. Yeah, but, it would be. But there is somebody that's already figured out, yep. and his name is Jesus, and it, and it means having a closer and closer relationship with Him, that's what will get us there.
1: Amen. There is power in people's stories. It's a challenging time.
0: What do you do when everything you believe about God is being tested and God doesn't look like the good Father that He says He does? You've got layers and layers and layers of hate in your heart. It, it takes God to clean it out.
1: Your story can help encourage others around the country, just like these stories have. You can walk through a simple process of sharing your story with the Big Share app. Download the Big Share app in your app store to start sharing hope with others. Man, I am loving this cooler weather, especially when it comes running time.
0: Yeah, Friday morning or Monday morning, it was like 40-something degrees here. It was great
1: it has been great you just kind of
0: there's a hint of your breath that you can see when you walk out and the crisp yeah know, it's incredible
1: good stuff it is time for dean's thoughts and that's a time when i share something that i've written about the intersection between running and faith and i don't know if you've noticed but things have changed over the past 20 or 30 years really have you noticed that uh, well, <laughs> let's, let's talk about it <laughs> Uh, This is called Running versus Technology. I don't think anyone would argue against the fact that technology develops at a rapid rate. I think about how different the world is today than when I was in my teens. We had no cell phones. Personal computers were rare, expensive, and didn't do very much. There was no such thing as the internet, let alone social media. Wow, how times have changed. I no longer need an atlas or a phone book. My car generates more power from a smaller engine and gets better gas mileage. Believe it or not, when I was in high school, there was no such thing as a key fob to unlock your car doors, let alone a remote start. Cable television was only just becoming popular and we had maybe 40 channels. We listened to music on the radio or on a vinyl record or cassette tape. I remember being one of the first people to have a CD player in my car. I remember when remote controls and telephones were corded. We had to wait for someone else to get off the phone before we could use it because the family had one phone and in my house you had to stand or sit in the kitchen to use it. Eventually we had a cord that was 20 feet long and we could sit in the living room. (laughs) If we wanted to know the answer to a question, we went to the library. And look through encyclopedias. That's right. We read real books. They'll be a distant memory soon. I always had to tell my mom where I was going and what time I was going to be home because she couldn't just contact me at any time. Today, parents have tracking apps that they can see in real time. The world has changed. And it's been fun to watch, honestly. I feel that I am moderately successful in adopting to, adapting to the changes as they come, although I watch in amazement as three-year-old children navigate a computer or a phone like an adult. So what about running? Has it changed as much as technology? The answer is a definitive no. Running really hasn't changed a lot which is a comfort to those of us who sometimes miss the simpler days when everything wasn't so hectic. Please don't hear me saying that I don't like technology. I love it. But there are definitely occasions when I wish I didn't have a cell phone. The act itself is essentially the same as it has been for thousands of years. Running is still simple, one foot in front of the other. Training plans have changed some, but not much. I learned a lot of what I know today from my high school coach. I still talk to guys I ran with way back then who marvel at how much that man knew in his day. Shoes have changed, but the basic anatomy of a shoe has not. The materials are better, and there are certainly some advances that have made people faster. But if you couldn't see the differences in materials and you were from another planet, you couldn't really see a difference aside from the cosmetics. Clothing is definitely better, but only marginally. We love to talk about how much better it is, but really, a t-shirt is still a t-shirt, and it's still the preferred apparel of most runners. I will concede that the polyester is a little better than the cotton, especially when it comes to chafing. (laughs) Advances in the softness of polyester has been a great advancement in apparel. GPS is something that has changed running a lot, but that falls just as squarely under the technology umbrella as the running umbrella. Online storage of training data is an important improvement over paper logs of yesteryear. But the stopwatch is still king of data. Many of the places we run are better. Track surfaces have come a long way since I trained on asphalt in high school. I even ran one meet on a cinder track back then. Now that's old school. Even trails are usually better maintained than they used to be. But all those changes pale in comparison to the changes we have seen in technology. It makes me think about church. Churches have changed a lot over over those same years. Technology that is used to enjoy a worship service makes the experience a little richer. The events and the programs we have are better and more engaging. Buildings are nicer and more comfortable. But some things never change. God and the Bible are the same today as they have always been. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 48, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And the psalmist says in chapter 90, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. On a sliding scale, technology is on the end of huge changes, while running lands somewhere in the middle with moderate changes. But God sits in the most prominent place of being steadfast and unchanging. I'm so thankful he never changes. If he did, he knows my behavior. And he would surely revoke my get to heaven card. But that's the way grace is, isn't it? He loves us and provides the ultimate prize even though we don't deserve it. One day, we will leave this world and we'll be carried to the ultimate neighborhood. Now that. Is going to be the biggest change of all.
0: Great story, Dean.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you're a big fan of technology.
0: Yes, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of in your camp. There's there's times that I wish we could do away with cell phones.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you know I I love social media, even though I just recently took Facebook off my phone. Yeah. Uh, because it was competing for too much of my time. You know, just this past week, my my youngest son, Landon. Uh, is a, he's our he's our outdoorsman mm-hmm. and he loves to fish and hunt and woodwork and all that kind of stuff and i used to fish quite a bit in my younger days so i have like 25 fishing rods and so landon has really taken a liking to fishing and and uh so i just kind of handed those rods over to him i was proud i was like here you go son you can have these and he he went fishing with some buddies last week and uh, he's actually going to be in his first tournament this weekend and he came in he said i need i need some new fishing rods i said what do you mean i've you've got 20 or 25 of them he said no they're just they're they're different nowadays the technology of the graphite is much more you can you can feel the fish more with more stiffness and i mean just started spitting out all these things and i'm thinking how in the world has a fishing rod, yeah changed that much through the years so (laughs) my first answer was no no, you've got 25 rods. Deal with them. You know he's fishing his first tournament this weekend, so I'm gonna let him get through that. And, but I've got a feeling I'm gonna be buying some new fishing rods here before <laughs> long if he really sticks to this sport. And uh, man, everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Everything changes.
1: Yeah. Technology. Technology just keeps on, keeps on rolling. But it is important that we realize that technology has its limitations and that there are some things that you can do just as well with mm-hmm. with less technology. Sometimes I think that's important. Um, I've always said it's important if you can afford to, the technology to do something and mm-hmm. it's not going to cause problems elsewhere, then that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I get frustrated with is I see um, kids a lot of times mm-hmm. who feel bad because they don't have the latest thing, and it's because their, their parents can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And and they feel bad because somebody else does, and that's where technology I think sometimes gets in our way.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, you you know my stance. I mean, when i when Lane was younger, and he was really getting into the sport of triathlon. Uh, I mean, Lane went to the first national finals triathlon as like a six-year-old on a mountain bike. Yeah, and he won ninth <laughs> in the nation that year on a mountain bike. All these. So many other kids had these nice three and $4,000 bikes, which is insane for a six-year-old. Just like Landon, you know, he's fishing his first tournament with what I'm learning is outdated technology fishing rods. But I think it's important. It's important not to allow technology or things be the answer. Yeah. You know, there got to be a point where... Lane was still on an aluminum bike. He was doing very well in the sport. And it got to the point where Lane's bike was holding him back. Yeah. At the same time, I had an incredibly nice bike that was not advancing me. You know, I was was the slow guy who had the really nice bike because at the time I could afford it and I wanted a really nice bike. Somebody kind of called me out on it and they said you've got that bike it doesn't matter if you're riding a huffy your time's going to be the same while lane has this bike and it's really holding him back and i mean it was an eye-opener to me and we we always joked even back then we you know once lane did get a nice bike you know i threatened to put a huffy sticker on it (laughs) because i never i never wanted lane to think that the reason that he got faster was because he had a nice bike. Well that's not the case. We see it all the time in running. Yeah. You know, people think people think people are gonna be fast. When you walk up to the starting line, that's the thing about running and triathlon and a lot of these in biking. You can't tell who's fast by walking up to the starting line. Yeah. But that's that's the biggest trap we fall into yeah. is we allow ourselves to think he's on a fifteen thousand dollar bike he's fast yeah we usually that's not the case
1: yeah very often
0: uh you know i we always joke about one of lane's friends that rides with him some a.j meyer you know a.j was he was a professional cyclist he was on the hencappy development team incredible biker and every time i've seen him show up to a to ride bikes with lane he's got duct tape on the seat or his handlebars are falling off and I love that. Yeah. I love to see that because you you just can't put your you can't you can't tell what somebody is by the things they have. Yeah. is my point.
1: And I, uh, I I remember when when I was doing the triathlons and the bike that I had, well you're very familiar with the bike that I have or the triathlon bike that I have. Um but it was it, was, it wasn't the the latest and the the newest one. I bought it used. And so uh Anyway, I get on this bike, and it was a nice bike. It mm-hmm. was very nice, but it, it wasn't the latest and greatest thing. And I remember riding in those triathlons, and every time I passed one of those $10,000 bikes, like, I mean, really passed them with authority, it really felt good.
0: Sure it did. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's something something great. And with running, there's something really satisfying about running and just the raw nature of what running is
0: yeah yeah i'm sitting here thinking about it. kind of on that same note we, we see it with some of the guys on the cross country team and we even saw it with lane a few weeks ago at the fca race lane come up to me before and he's like there's some fast guys here i'm like how do you know that you don't, he didn't know most of these people he's like well they just look fast i'm like That don't mean anything. And we had this argument between ourselves, between Lane and I. He was arguing that you can tell how you can tell the fast people just by how they look. And I'm like, no, you can't. That's unequivocally wrong. That you can tell how fast somebody. And I said, you of all people should know this. You've grown up in this. You know, I've always tried to keep Lane as the kid who doesn't look fast. You know, we've never had the flashy. Yeah stuff and you know like i said i wanted to put a huffy sticker on his back because just like you said there's something awesome about being the underdog and, and just coming in and dominating so yeah i don't know how we got off on that
1: but, but that's good i like it
0: yeah yeah but kind of to the point of this story i, I did want to say this and i've I've told this story before but i've never told it on the podcast Um uh, you mentioned about how churches are changing and how yeah. it's more comfortable and seats are better and the technology's better. Um, you know, there was a time several years ago, ten years ago, where churches across this nation and it may still be going on today. I don't see it where we live anymore, but churches were being divided with music. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, our our church was going through a kind of a troubling time because you had one camp that wanted this kind of music and you had one camp that wanted this kind of music and it was even splitting some churches and i'll never forget i was we were camping one weekend and i flipped over and i saw a billy graham uh crusade it was on tv and it was like 1950 something and i remember being just mesmerized i I was i'm always mesmerized at hearing billy graham speak in the first place but i was able to see from the 1950s how Everybody in attendance at that crusade, if it was a man they had on a three piece suit. And if it was a woman they had on a long dress. And that was that was expected in those days and I remember thinking, Wow, you know, our churches look nothing like that. You know, I I thought about even Franklin Graham or Will Graham today and you go to one of their crusades or you go to where they're preaching and they've got you know, nobody is wearing a three piece suit, you know women are not wearing long dresses for the most part. You know, back when in the 50s, Billy Graham had, you know, George Beverly Shea up singing, you know, gospel music. And today you've got Lecrae hopping around Mm -hmm. on stage. And and it really illustrated how much things have changed. And so I was seeing this at the same time that our church was having some problems. And I'm a gospel music guy. Yeah. And if, if it was my preference, we would play gospel music at my church every day. But it's not my it's it's not about me. Yeah. It's about what brings others in and, and there was something I noticed about that Billy Graham crusade back then is I when I saw the suits and everything, that was one thing, that was a picture. But when I closed my eyes and I listened to him speak, absolutely nothing has changed. Yeah. And it, it showed me that as a society it's fine to change. It's fine to change styles and and music and whatever's gonna bring lost people in so long as the message doesn't change. Because yeah. God has not changed. Just like you said in your your story here, God has not changed. Yeah. And as long as we don't change that, everything else should change. Yeah. And that was I think a lot of our churches have gotten that now. Um but for a while that was really dividing us.
1: It goes back to something else we talked about recently about how uh we we should we should be excited that that I can like what you like even though I don't necessarily you know gospel music isn't my favorite. Right. But I can like it I can and I can enjoy it regardless of whether or not that's my preferred type of music or not. Um, we so often go, well my favorite type of music is this and we're just using music in this case, but it applies to everything <laughs> you know we, that that because that's not my favorite kind of music, well then that music's not good and it's not that it's not good it that's good music it and it's different It's just different yeah, yeah. And, and so I when,
0: think that's the sad part is a society. Many times the way society treats disagreements would, is the same as me saying, we've talked about Lane's playlist on J Radio. I don't like it. I don't like Lane's music. Does that mean I hate Lane? <laughs> but that's what we do that's, in yeah. so many other things, well, politics kidding. being the biggest one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I don't like your stance, therefore I hate you. Yeah. And – I'm going to trash you on social media, and that—that that is not of God. No. And not. I may be stepping on some toes here, but if—if you're—if you're doing that, if you're excited that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, you've got a problem. It's a problem. You've got a problem. Yeah. Do I agree with many of her politics? No. But that's okay. That's okay. And love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. And the neighbor many times is somebody you don't agree with on everything. But God's words doesn't say love the neighbors who you agree with everything on. Nope. It says love your neighbor. Yep. I'm going to get off that.
1: Right now. <laughs> well, you know what I was thinking about from a from a positive standpoint? We should we should enjoy reveling in something that somebody else likes. And I'll give you a good example. My mother and I, we would ride along in my car, and I had Sirius XM radio, mm-hmm. right? And it had an Elvis channel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't going to listen to the Elvis channel. But you know what we listened to often when my mother was in the car? We listened to the Elvis channel. right? And look, seeing the look and the joy on her face while she was listening to the Elvis channel, it didn't matter whether I liked that music or I didn't like that music, seeing her was priceless. And yeah. when we can revel in the fact that somebody else is enjoying what's going on, I think, I think that's what God wants us to be able to do, is to look and go, you know what, this isn't my favorite, but it's his favorite or it's her favorite. And, and, and be able to enjoy the idea that somebody else is getting something. Out and
0: of you, can, you, can, you can be friends and you can love people even if they go against everything you believe spiritually you can still love them yeah. and you can still talk to them and you can still have a a conversation i mean jesus showed us this he he was the best example of this i mean he he went and he hung out with sinners and the scribes and the pharisees were just like dogging him for that but he came to save the lost he came to reach the lost and that's what we're you know there's a line there on on how much you inject yourself into i'm not saying go to a bar and witness no that's not what i'm saying but to the person in the bar you should not shun them because they're in the bar right you should be trying to love them to christ
1: amen and amen yep let's move that's, on that's good <laughs> hey if you haven't become a coach yet what are you waiting for
0: If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The Step-by-Step Guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish
1: big things. All right, as we have talked about, we are going to share a trivia question with you and if you are the first person to answer this question uh, and send an email to dean at runforgod.com, then you will win uh, this these, the these Run, sticker, for, God Run for God sticker pack. I mean, these are some pretty cool stickers. Um, I've got a few of these stuck all over um, some of the stuff that I have. I was looking at my water bottle because I've got them on some of my water bottles. Well, I know, know you the, do too.
0: You know the incredible thing about these stickers? Um, I, have, I have water bottles that I put these stickers on 7 8 years ago. Yeah. And we wash them almost every day and they still look And they're still there. Brand new. So yeah. they're durable. They're yeah. they're great stickers.
1: Look well, good on and, any car. And not only that, but I know you and I have seen you leave water bottles all over God's green oh, earth. yeah,
0: everybody knows my water bottles. That's right. <laughs> That's Look, right. I go into the car wash, Mitchell. You left two water bottles here. How, how do you know? Well, they got the Run for God stickers on them. So yeah, yeah, they're it's great at keeping you. They're great for keeping up with things.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you'll want it, you'll want some of these things. So, here's the trivia question. Most shoes today. Have some form of sole that provides good traction, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's there. They've got these little rubber knobbies on them or something like that. Um, and there have been spike shoes for a very long time. Spike shoes actually go back to the 1800s. So there's always been uh, something about the sole of a running shoe. But back in the early 70s, somebody used a kitchen appliance mm. to create a new type of sole out of rubber. Because I had never been done before up until this point. And so here's the trivia question. Who was that... Excuse me. What was that kitchen appliance? And who was that person who changed the world of the running shoe because he was um, playing with rubber one day?
0: I know this one. All right. I know this one. Good, good.
1: Well, don't say it. I won't. But I...
0: I'll say what I was going to say next week when we give the answer. All right.
1: All right. Here's why running is so awesome. (laughs) T-shirts. It's it's just a byproduct of the sport, right? We love looking back at T-shirts from the past. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't wear them a lot, sometimes we just like to pick up a T-shirt and go, I remember this. This was a cool race. I have a quilt. Out of do you? Yeah. There's a lot of folks out of have running those. shirts. Yep. There's yeah. people who make a living. That's all they do is they make these quilts. Really? Out of shirts. Yep. You send them their You send them your shirts and they send you back the quilt. Uh,
0: gay made mine.
1: Did Gay make yours? She, yeah. she did
0: a really good job. I bet it.
1: she did. Yeah. She's she's pretty handy when it comes to that she kind is. of stuff. She is. She is. Um. You know, Run yep. for God started with the t That's right. That's Twelve right. T-shirts. So shirts. Shirts are awesome. T-shirts. Motivational thought of the week. This is one of my favorite quotes. The will to win is not nearly as important as the will to prepare to win. And that's been attributed to both Bobby Knight and Vince Lombardi, and maybe even others. Um, nobody, I, I think, knows where that originated, although Vince Lombardi goes back further than Bobby Knight, so if he said it, then I guess it originated with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the this whole idea of people talk a lot about how bad they want to do something. I've seen athletes that I've, I've coached that, that talk a great game. Mm-hmm. But what matters is, what are you doing?
0: Mm-hmm. right? What are but, you doing when nobody's looking? That's right. That's the important question.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, we can all put on a good show.
1: Yeah. But most people don't have the stomach for doing the hard stuff when it's really, really hard. Uh, and uh, I think that's what...
0: kind of goes to our walk
1: with Christ, don't it? It does.
0: I yeah. want to be a great Christian, but... Saying it doesn't make it true. That's right. You've you've got to put the work in.
1: Got it. Yep. It's the walk. There has to be fruit from the tree, right? Preach it, Dean. Yeah. So if you haven't joined Run Club yet, and you just happened upon this podcast, you need to join Run Club. So go out there and do that right now.
0: We've actually started the October October uh, membership drive.
1: That's right.
0: So uh, go to Run for God Run Club. Com. Check it out. We've got some specials on there. Uh, you can actually use the code podcast and get 30 days free if you go right now to uh, to get registered. Use the code podcast. When you get on the homepage, up in the top right, there's a promo code, a place you can put a promo code in. Just type in podcast. You'll get 30 days free. Um, you can kind of look under the hood if you don't like it. Just cancel. You cancel it, no money lost. But we don't think you're going to cancel it.
1: No, no. We
0: think you're going to love it.
1: Because there's so much. There's so much we have. There's these. We have these podcasts. The podcast is the tip of the iceberg, though, mm-hmm. right? we you uh, can get that podcast through audio version or video version. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are tons of other videos out there that we have done over the years. Um, lots, lots of good, uh, encouraging things, training plans, things, coaching. Yeah, this access to you. Tons, tons of things. Yeah, there's. Yeah, gosh, we send a, send a text weekly, just kind of an encouraging text or mm-hmm. a thoughtful thing or something, to uh, to get folks on board. The Facebook group is second to none. Right. There is no better Facebook group than a Run for God Run Club Facebook group. And it's the
0: cost of a piece of bubble gum.
1: Wow. Per day. That's you can't beat that. You nope. can't find that value anywhere. Nine
0: dollars and ninety-seven cents a month, or twenty-seven cents her day yeah Um, go join us
1: yeah come join us we hope you have enjoyed listening we hope that you've enjoyed watching if you happen to watch this we want you to subscribe to the YouTube channel and click that bell to get notifications we want you to give us reviews on our podcast and you know that that helps people find us when you review us so, uh, so please do that if you haven't already. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed. If you just found the podcast but you haven't subscribed yet, well, you need to go ahead and click that little thing that says subscribe right there. Um, so so join us weekly uh, for this dose of encouragement and the idea that you, uh, we can all join together as we go through this thing called life along with our running journey and, of course, the most important thing, our faith journey. Now may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dan.
0: For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.